Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to stories of discipleship and putting scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the Communications Director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of just fewer than 1,000 churches throughout Kansas and Nebraska. I'm also a certified lay minister in the United Methodist Church, so what you hear on this show truly comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 25 years experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teenagers to 90-somethings, and I served as a journalist for 20 years prior to entering ministry. So I'm excited to share with you stories of disciples in action and to explore with you what the Bible has to teach us in the 21st century. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes feature interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. Still others include short reflections on scripture. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to a special short series of podcasts focused on the known Episcopal candidates for the South Central Jurisdiction of the United Methodist Church. The people you will hear in these interviews have offered themselves up for the role of bishop. The elections will take place the first week of November in Houston, Texas, with a consecration service planned for November 5th. Each of these interviews was conducted via Zoom video conferencing during the month of October, and all seven episodes have been released at once, so you can hear all of them in short order. A couple of quick caveats before playing the recording of our conversation. First, the delegates have spent considerable time with each of the candidates at this point, so these interviews weren't really conducted for the people who will be electing bishops. The interviews were done with the idea that laity and clergy could learn just a little bit more about each of the people who have offered themselves up for the episcopacy. Second, I asked all the candidates the same questions. I didn't interject much and just let them talk. I did insert a question about where they saw hope for the denomination if they did not address that in an earlier question. So you'll notice me asking that question of some people and not of others. It simply had to do with the way they answered previous questions. Finally, as I record this intro, regular listeners will note that I have a bad cold, so I apologize for the squeaky and or gravelly voice. It was even worse during some of the interviews, so again, I apologize for the strange voice on my behalf. I think that's it. So without further delay, here's one of my seven interviews with Episcopal candidates for the South Central Jurisdiction. I'm joined now by Reverend David Gilmore. He is the uh, district superintendent for the Northwest District in the Missouri Conference. Uh, David, thank you so much for joining us today on In Layman's Terms. Thank you for the invitation. Let's just dive right in here. Um, let's start off with some of your biographical information. Let's let you just tell us a little bit about what you think is important about your background, your biographical information, and your resume. Um, I think that the most important things uh, in my life, uh, as far as who I am, is the fact that I am the son and great-grandson of Methodist circuit riders. My father was an ordained elder who uh, served in Missouri, and the last year that he was alive, we actually served four miles apart. So I consider that to be one of the greatest gifts uh, uh, from God for me. Uh, my great-grandfather actually rode on horseback preaching the good news um, in Louisiana, and so um, I am I'm a cradle Methodist <laughs> who um, loves my church, warts and all. Um, the second thing I'd like to say is that I'm the uh, husband um, of Kamiko. I, I, I address myself and identify, self-identify as arm candy. And um, uh, I have five children. We have five children between us and two grandchildren. Um, I love my, my children, but my grandchildren have my heart. 
Um, and then the last thing that I would say is that for 20 years and 15 days of mostly honorable uh, service, I uh, was in the United States Navy. I say mostly honorable because I was a sailor. And um, if you know sailors, then, you know, sometimes, <clears throat> anyway, that was another life. But I do uh, appreciate that time in the Navy because uh, from that time, I gained a great uh, uh, love for decency and order and also uh, discovered in that time that I uh, possess a quirky sense of humor uh, that serves me well at, at times. Very good. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about your background here, uh, your call story. Uh, let's tell everybody a little bit about uh, how you came to be in the ministry. Well, thank you. I, I um, as I said, I'm, I'm cradle Methodist. And so uh, what I did not know until I preached my first sermon was that I was the oldest surviving child of my parents. Uh, while I was still in the womb, I had an infant uh, sister uh, who died. And so uh, it devastated my parents. And my father promised God that if uh, God kept me safe, he would dedicate my life to God's service. So I grew up literally in the church. Monday through Saturday, every single day I was in the church and three times on Sunday. I served on every committee you can possibly imagine except PPR and finance. And I also sang in every choir. I was, I, I, I was an usher. I mean, I just did it all growing up. And so um, I didn't realize that I was being prepared uh, for my next season. And I do think that um, that's one of the hallmarks of my life, being prepared for the next season, often without me realizing it. Um, I ran away from church um, uh, because the church had wounded me and, and, and basically stayed away from church for years. And then uh, when life kicked me in the teeth, I found my way back to that place that I had uh, found comfort in as a child, which was the church. And it was in that, that, that second season, if you will, uh, of church that um, my wife, my newly married wife and I um, uh, began to really discern, is God calling me to something else? Um, so I talked to the pastor. We were living in New Orleans, Louisiana at the time. And I talked to the pastor of the church um, and, and I'm telling him what, I'm, what I've been having dreams about. He tells me, write down the scriptures, write down this, what, what you're hearing in your head. I started writing it down. My wife thought was looking at me very strangely thinking that um, I, something was going on that maybe I needed some help. Um, I called my dad uh, and, and was telling him about it. And so after 30 days, I went back to the pastor and I said, I think I'm supposed to preach. So he said, okay, in 30 days, you're going to preach your first sermon. And I'm okay. I said, I think I'm supposed to preach, but okay. So I called my dad, told him I was preaching. He flew in. Um, we go to the church. I uh, nervous is all get up, uh, preach my first sermon and six people gave their lives to Christ. Um, after it was over with, I, I asked the pastor and my dad, so does this mean that I'm supposed to preach? And they both looked at me like I had a horn in my head. Um, but but uh, from that point on, I just began in the process of, of going uh, full all in in trying to uh, be all that God had, had called me to be. Um, I, as I'm going through the process, um, I realized that Every time I would go into a new season or into a new step, I had been prepared for that, often without me realizing it. And so I served as a local church pastor and grew church, two churches. I left there, went to uh, the, the conference uh, staff in New York Annual Conference and, and, and developed uh, uh, 430, worked with 432 churches, uh, planted 10 new churches, uh, did turnaround strategies with a myriad of churches, um, left there, came back to Missouri, um, and uh, served as a superintendent in a season of COVID and in this, in this season of disaffiliation. And now um, I am where I am by God's grace. 
So let's talk about that season that we're in right now. Um, uh, let's tell, tell us a little bit about how, how and why you are willing to be considered for such an important position, the Episcopacy, at this time in the history of the United Methodist Church. Um, thank you. For, so first, I'll say that uh, I think no one in their right mind would say, I want to be a bishop in this season um, uh, because of all of the contention and confusion that's present um, in, our, in our church and in our world. However, uh, as I stated earlier, because I believe God prepares us for our next season while we're in our current season, as I look back over all that I've done in my life and all the different opportunities I've had to serve in my life, I realize that with all of those changes that have taken place, all of those new movements that have taken place, when I think about it, God has really prepared me to actually lead and serve in this season. I have had the opportunity to serve in a local church um, and with, with a, a dying membership and, and be part of the turnaround. I have had an opportunity to serve on a conference staff as a mid-level uh, adjudicatory position um, responsible for turnaround strategies for churches um, that are spread across the spectrum racially and ethnically and socially. And in, a, in addition to that, I've had the opportunity to plant new churches and to recruit new uh, leaders and to go ahead and work uh, with, with congregations that are in, uh, trying to discern next steps. And then this last thing, uh, last season I'm in right now, or current season I'm in right now, I'm actually uh, living into being that chief missional strategist that the Book of Discipline calls uh, district superintendents to be and, and to do. Uh, and I am uh, being, I'm, I'm now able to uh, look strategically at places where we might be able to plant new churches, but also where we might be able to find those leaders that are going to help us go into our next season. So um, did, did I want to do it? No. Am I called to do it? Yes. You talked about uh, things you've had to lead through. Um, so let's let's focus on that for just a few moments. Um, I think a lot of folks have questions about folks who are, who are up for the Episcopacy of how would they lead. So Tell us a little bit how you would plan to lead the United Methodist Church going forward in this season of disaffiliations over human sexuality concerns. I, I need to preface my response with this. I love my church, warts and all. Um, and so uh, my idea of leadership in this season is really uh, working collaboratively, uh, not working punitively, and trying to uh, return our focus to uh, our connection to Christ. Um, I, I would uh, live into the abeyance, even though it's crumbling all around us, I still would live into the abeyance and uh, place any formal complaints that were brought um, in the desk drawer uh, pending the outcome of the 2024 uh, General Conference. Uh, even with the results of the General Conference in 2024, I uh, am not a fan of church trials. And I think they often do more harm than good. So I probably would try to find a just resolution that would, would uh, appease both sides uh, in, in whatever the conflict may have been. As far as uh, uh, disaffiliations, um, you know, I, I'm one of those that believe that it's better to part as friends than to stay together as enemies. And so if um, a church or a body of Christ is determined to leave, I would rather bless and send them then ask them to remain and be un unhappy. Because the truth is, if, if anyone remains and they're unhappy, we're not going to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Uh, what we're going to do is sit up and continue what we're in right now, which is the season of civil war, uh, which is not helping us as far as making disciples. Uh, and then the last piece, um, as far as issues that 
uh, may be uh, present that may not be addressed other than human sexuality, we still have the isms to deal with. We have ageism, we have ableism, we have racism, we have uh, a gender inequality issues. We've got other issues that need to be faced. And I think that uh, when you start looking at all of the causes that are before us, often we get so focused on the cause, we lose sight of what might walk us through or bring us through the cause, which is that connection to Jesus Christ. Um, my biggest fear, my biggest concern, if you will, is that we have become um, so determined to win that we're all losing. Uh, we are fight if, if we spent half of our effort, half of our energies actually focusing on making disciples of Jesus Christ instead of fighting to prove a point, what kind of church would we be? I would dare say that we probably would be more engaged and more active in, 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 in meeting the needs of the least, the last, and the lost. And so uh, my concern is that we are focusing on uh, the, the leaves uh, of, of our tree rather than trying to make sure that our roots are connected. I was going to, my next question was going to be about what other issues are there. So thanks for taking that on. That's great. Uh, we, so we have, let's just go back to this idea. We live in a fractured society. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. Uh, and unfortunately, the church reflects that fractured society. So what would you do as a bishop to help unify people who are going to remain in the United Methodist Church? And then as a second part, uh, how have you fostered unity and mission in either your current appointment or in previous stops along your ministry journey? Uh, so so uh, one of uh, my gifts is being able to not only uh, shine a light on something, but also to be able to speak truth and be willing to work towards that change. I, I believe uh, that one of the uh, major problems that we have in our church is that the world has infected the church rather than the church infecting the world. And um, uh, because of that, we have taken on the, 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 the mantle uh, and, 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 and shouted out this battle cry that's not necessarily of God. Um, and that's on both sides. I, I believe that we are at a place right now where uh, we cannot come together because we refuse to see the commonalities um, in, in, our, in our theologies. Um, for me, all I really want to do is reach the least, the last, and the lost and show them the love of Jesus. I'm an evangelist at heart. So uh, that would be one of the areas where I would be willing to um, try to uh, help unify the people is to really focus on what's really important. Um, are we really living into what Christ has called us to do and be what Christ has called us to be? Now, um, as far as fostering unity in um, uh, 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 my appointment or in a, a, a previous appointment, um, I have a history of bringing different voices to the table. I don't uh, want to have one type of voice at the table. I want to see uh, black, white, brown, and every other hue under the sun. I want people who are conservative and people who are liberal. I want men and I want women. I want young people and I want people that think they're young but may have a little snow on the roof. I want to have as many voices as I can at the table because in hearing the voices, actually hearing the voices, we might be able to actually see and hear, well, they're really not that much different than I am. And so in that, that, at that table where we have these differing voices, um, in that moment, I, would, I, I think that I would be able, hopefully, 
to offer a bridge, uh, to, to, to offer a collaborative word of hope and peace um, that would help us realize that, you know, in the end, we're really just here, those of us who self-identify as Christian and profess Christ as our Savior, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. One of the things I want to do is give everyone a chance to say where they see hope. Uh, where do you see hope in the United Methodist Church these days? Uh, I see hope in the fact that we are actually at a point now where we are uh, pruning, if you will. Uh, we are in a pruning phase, I believe, in, our, in the life of our church and in many of our individual lives. And, and in that pruning, what we're doing is cutting away those things that may block us from God. Uh, my greatest hope is that we are being prepared by God to go into and begin a movement that's going to lead us into the next great awakening in Methodism. Um, we have the folks that have the vision. We have the folks that have the, the, the passion. We have the people who have the, 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 the desire to want to go ahead and spread the good news and live like they know the good news. But right now we're fighting with each other. So uh, my greatest hope is that we go ahead and, 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 and downsize, if you want to use that language, so that we become more flexible and we're able to pivot and meet the needs of those who are least, last, and lost, letting them know that Christ is yet alive. Thank you very much. So I, I want to, before we close, I want to give you one opportunity here to, uh, it's a little bit lighter notes. Tell us what your favorite Bible verse is and why that one resonates with you. My favorite Bible verse, and people laugh when I say this, if you go to the very last chapter, the very last verse in the book of Judges, you hear these words. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and all the people did what was right in their own eyes. I, every time I read that or hear that, it just tickles me, because if you think about where we are in our world right now, everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. Very good. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for taking time with us, uh, David Gilmore. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time, and, and thank you for being willing to serve in such an important role uh, at this time in the United Methodist Church. Thanks, Todd. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to one of seven brief interviews with Episcopal candidates in the South Central jurisdiction of the United Methodist Church. I hope these talks give you some insight into the people who will serve as bishops, if elected, at the South Central Jurisdictional Conference the first week of November. And if one of these people turns out to be your new bishop, now you will have at least a little insight into their call stories and a little more information about how they intend to lead your annual conference. In Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you like what you've heard in this episode, please go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps others find us. And if you're so inclined, please share the link to this podcast on your social media channels. Our music and sound effects come via subscriptions to Universal Production Music and to Storyblocks. You can find archived episodes on the conference website at www.greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts or on my website, toddseifert.com. Please email me with any questions or comments to tseifert at greatplainsumc.org and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thank you for listening. 
And until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.